Welcome to the AWPT Podcast, a safe space for personal trainers and coaches who want to learn, grow, and feel heard in the fitness industry. Each week, we'll bring you industry-relevant discussions on all things coaching, mindset, and professional development, empowering you with the tools to be a competent and confident coach. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this live where Amy and I are going to be having a little bit of a fun time speaking about what is normal and what is not normal. So there are a lot of things that people consider to be normal because they're common. However, they're not always normal. Just because something is common doesn't necessarily make it normal. So we're going to bust a few myths this afternoon, which is going to be fun. If you have any things that you want to bring up, write a question like, is this normal? Is this normal? We're going to be talking about a lot of taboo topics as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Amy is joining in. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you ready to bust some myths? I'm you ready to bust so ready. To talk. I was writing out this massive list and I was like, it just keeps going, to be honest. To talk about some of your favorite things, just some of your favorite taboo topics. Correct, yes. All right. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Okay. Well, I've got a whole list here for you. So I'm just going to read them out and then you can say normal or not. And then you can give a little bit of an explanation why or why not. We'll see how many we get through because there are a lot. And if we sort of get to a point where, you know, you're getting a little bit brain fatigued or whatever, then we can, I think we can do another one of these because there's just so many things. Okay. Okay. Number one is... Are painful periods normal? No. Um, that is a very easy no. So just because it's, as you said before, you were saying at the start, just because something is normalised doesn't mean it is normal. So, you know, a slight bit of lower back pain, a slight breast tenderness, um, maybe like a little bit of feeling of like a crampiness. But as far as uh, migraines, headaches, um, you know, having to take days off work, feeling as though your lower back is like insanely like a sore and your ovaries feel like they're going to burst out. That's not normal. So the way that you kind of manage that is through diet and nutrition and also mental health as well. Like stress plays a really big part into it. And one menses and the quality of that menses or the ovulation is dictated by the hundred days prior. So whatever you were doing three months prior to having that bleed, whether it be partying or traveling or eating shitty amounts of food, in shitty relationships, whatever it is, that'll be what dictates the quality of that menses. So I think people also think it's normal that it's just that week that they're like, oh, I must be, I just have it a shit week because I drank alcohol last week, but it's actually the three months prior. Yeah, that's a good one. Kicked it off strong. <laughs> Next one. Is bleeding between periods normal? No, but a period isn't necessarily a bleed so obviously endometrial lining and we can get shedding um but we can also see especially if there is low iron we obviously see a little bit more spotting and things it can be that you aren't necessarily ovulating every single cycle it can be that there is a cystic ovary and that's what's creating a bleed when that's lost 
but I also find that people often refer to like bleeding pre-menses or spotting as low progesterone, but it's not necessarily, that's not the cause. More so it is the quality of the ovulation because the thing to increase progesterone the most is ovulation. So without looking at and addressing ovulation first, then you know, it doesn't actually get to the root cause. But people I also find who have low levels of iron or some micronutrient deficiency, they're the ones that will have more infrequent bleeds and things because our endometrial lining also depends on iron. Okay, amazing. So any spotting between periods? No, not normal. No. no. Um, between menses, I should say. Between something periods. that can happen if there's like stressful periods, you can, you know, re-sync with either... Um, different menstrual timing and things like that as well and it might be that you've had one period which is like period one menses bleed which is maybe only 15 days since your last bleed and then you know that's just a random occurrence but if it's a happening all the time and they're really frequent you might want to have a look at like blood work especially your iron levels um, but also just if that's normal for you maybe look further into like the quality of your ovulation as well Perfect. Amazing. And okay, next one is so we do painful periods, bleeding. What about bleeding during sex? No. Um <laughs> I'm on that brought back a lot of memories. Um, but if it's like <laughs> all I'm gonna say is if it's your first time, that might be somewhat normal. But if that's every single time, there may be an issue with endometrial lining. Um, that you're having to look at or if there is a hypertonicity in pelvic floor as well um, but no I wouldn't consider that normal and I also wouldn't consider pain during sex normal in normal yeah. circumstances um, that in normal circumstances what are you referring to but but yeah you can get an internal ultrasound to look at endometrial lining whether they're looking for adenomyosis endometriosis um, and things like that too just to see if there is an issue um but also body tightness and i find this interconnects a lot with the brain someone who is super super stressed they might have hypertonicity in their pelvic floor and that that rigidness and that uptightness is also what plays into their mental health and sometimes it's not addressing this where the symptom is at it's more so like, okay, well, what's the root cause, whether it's further up the chain in their brain and they're just like a really rigid person and they can't, not everyone holds stress in like, oh, I'm getting migraines. It might be that they're, they're holding stress and it's through pelvic floor or it's through an area that we don't necessarily see with our eyes. Yeah. And also like not speaking from personal um, experience, but make sure it's not the man that's actually bleeding as well. Like... This happened to a friend of mine a long time ago where he he ripped and there was apparently just blood everywhere. Jesus Christ. I yeah. mean, like, yeah, I think losing, I shouldn't say losing. I hate the term losing virginities. It's, it's not it's not a game. It's not a loss. Uh, I think that's the only time where I've been like, it's a murder scene. But well, I've never heard that. Okay. Diarrhea or constipation leading up to your period? So the more frequent prostaglandins, which are like um, a little inflammatory markers, they can create more like period poops. And that's when we get those like little smaller amounts of bowel movements. So somewhat normalized, but it doesn't address again the cause because if you have a high amount of prostaglandin activity, that can cause loose stools and um, things like that too. But a healthy 
the body should be able to deal with a prostaglandin activity. If it is raised, it could be things like your omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is a little bit off. could also be stress management and that greater amount of inflammation in your body is creating more of that activity. Um, so I, it's normal to get smaller bowel movements or more frequent. I wouldn't consider a, like di diarrhea or very loose stools or anything like that normal, no. No, yeah. Yeah, and I know this is your favorite subject as well, so we'll make sure there's plenty of plenty of questions. Um, okay, what about going to the toilet number twos more than two times a day? Yeah, I think bowel movements twice a day is fine, um, as long as you're having one complete bowel movement. And it also, it really depends on the quality, because like if it is small and incomplete or you don't feel like, Say you go to the bathroom and you don't feel as though like it's a clean wipe you don't feel like there's a full bowel movement there's probably still residual fecal matter in there and that might be causing an extra bowel movement later but you know from a bristle stool chart have a look at the healthy like three four range that's what you're kind of looking for if it feels incomplete if it feels as though um paste like or that it's floating on the surface or they're really small then it might be that you're not having adequate um motility or peristalsis through your gut as well and that might be creating a change so it's good to examine your poo um but also know what is kind of normal for you as well um but two times a day is fine um as long as you're at least getting one bowel movement per day the exception to that would be you know say you've had gastro or vomiting or diarrhea or something the day prior and the next day you're probably not going to get anything or it could just be that one particular day um, you're a little bit more constipated, but then you get a bigger bowel movement the next day. Yeah. Amazing. Um, what about bloating around ovulation? Yeah, actually very normal to an extent. So mm -hmm. I think women typically, you know, we know pre-mens is, oh, I'm a little bit heavier. I, it's like my bleed's coming up. But I think some things we don't normalize is that as estrogen rises, especially in our follicular phase and ovulation, increased estrogen also means increased fluid retention. And you've got to remember that ovulation itself is such an energy demanding thing. So the fact that your womb literally is extending slightly to be able to compensate for such a massive energy demanding activity and to create life essentially is something to be honored, not something to be shamed about being like kind of a little bit bloated. I do find that clients particularly hold a little bit more fluid over that time. And they're like, I've been really compliant nutrition training steps and I'm not dropping. I'm like, let's just wait till after ovulation to yeah. see where things are kind of at. I always call luteal phase premenses between ovulation and premenses as like our prune phase where everything kind of dries out. Um, that's mm -hmm. normally when you see a better reflection. Um, but if it is massive, like gut distension and you're like, this feels like really big mm -hmm. then again you might look further into blood work or internal ultrasound to see if there is underlying pcos or a uh a lining issue as well yeah because i was gonna say um what if it's like consistent bloating like consistent bloating. if it's slight and you're like i can see that i i have a uterus like that's normal if it's distended and i do find this more so as women age and there is a high risk of like adenomyosis as well then that's when you might look to lining a little bit more. And if it's every single cycle, then it might be looking at whether ovulation is actually occurring, if there's anovulatory cycles, or whether accurate kind of or adequate estrogen clearance is occurring as well. Because if there's an excess and there might be a deficiency in a micronutrient which is needed for estrogen clearance, that's when we can see a greater issue there too. 
or an ovulation, our body's really pumping and trying to get this thing to work and it's not working, um, then we need to look at other factors as well, whether it be nutritional makeup, um, lifestyle, stress, mental health and stuff like that too. Yeah. Because would you, would you consider like the uterus slightly distended like always or uh, like at all times normal as well? Um, look, that's a hard question knowing in person. Like I wouldn't say a great distension. But I also know that for me, I have really little hips. <laughs> there's nowhere it can go. Um, and there's definitely people who have more forward facing like hip sockets as well, or they may be slightly more tilted. Um, but if it's continually distended, I wouldn't consider that normal. Um, but, you know, it really depends on someone's diet too, because you've had a, you could have like a, a normal amount of um, gut distension, which is that you have a uterus and it could be that you eat a high fiber diet or beans and lentils and pulses and that creates more gas which is very normal and yeah. then that kind of creates a little bit more of a distension so it really depends what someone's normal is mm-hmm. um and then kind of what their structure of their body is like what their food consumption is like what their stress levels and the quality of their ovulation um and also their menses like are they actually getting ovulation discharge as well yeah the the reason I ask is only because, like, you see those um, videos, like, and reels and things like that, where it's like bloating is normal, and I'm kind of like, is it though? Like, so what you're saying basically is it just depends on the individual. Yeah, yeah. Like, the more fibrous foods you eat, yes, it will be gas, and the gas can be held in different areas of our body, especially lower abdominal. But in saying that, if that gas, and this is kind of leading to our other poo questions, if that gas also comes with it a smell right like it's well this was one of, one of my questions like a stinky fart's normal stinky, not fart, asking. stinky breath not normal um so if that distension is happening but we also have like eggy farts and you know people complain or you're trying to hide it in the gym or whatever it is that's not normal that's when i look more like bacterial issue or um some kind of imbalance or something in there as well so um it really depends what other symptoms because if somebody is also not having ovulation discharge i might look more at uh an ovulation or lack of estrogen clearance or if they are also experiencing spotting um or if you know there's other things to go along with it like inconsistent bowel movements and maybe they've got days worth of fecal matter backed up and that's influencing because we have this such a small space compared to men like we obviously have like uh, small intestine, large intestine, everything else as well. But we've got a bit of uterus in there and some ovaries and everything else. So it really depends. Like I know that if, again, having smaller hip structure, if I eat more food and I'm ovulating, um, then, you know, it is going to be a little bit more distended and it's that body fluidity and comfortable kind of being like, oh, I'm still confident in this because this shows I'm still female, right? Um, so I think there is an, a halfway ground between not wanting washboard abs and feeling as though, you know, that you have to be shredded at all times and have defined abs and really flat stomach. But at the same time, not normalizing such a drastic distension in your gut that it's probably an underlying health issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of like getting at as well. Because like, for me, like I don't experience a lot of bloating. I don't experience a lot of distension only when I eat a lot or I am feeling bloated. Maybe I have eaten something that isn't, agreeing with me very well and that's only the time that that happens mm-hmm. um okay that's good to know awesome um okay let's go to actually on the topic of smelly farts what 
is like the normal smell of a vagina? Is it normal oh. to have a smelly vagina? <laughs> um, no, but at the same time, I want to give this is like uh, some little pH education yeah. but the acidity of a uh, like female discharge is going to be more acidic luteal phase and more creamy or lower ph in a uh, follicular phase so the taste is going to change but probably the scent as well because ph will change that too um so if it's if, if there's like white discharge creamy and it's more frequent throughout the cycle, not just ovulation and not just egg white and things like that too, but it's also coincided with a smell, like um, could be fishy, could be eggy, could be, you know, a multiple things of like musky. Um, then you might want to get a pap smear and obviously look a little bit further too. Now, your vaginal microbiome and what smells and what doesn't and, and what's normal and what doesn't, it actually all plays into your gut microbiome. So the bacteria which is in your gut is going to translocate to vaginal microbiome too to create our estrobolum. So it's, you know, when we say that, um, like obviously vaginal washes and everything else I've said before, like they don't work and it is very unhealthy to put that any kind of other solution um, through a vaginal canal because it is self-cleaning. But even what you eat, lactobacillus, based foods so fermented vegetables cruciferous vegetables um things like that are actually going to help benefit vaginal microbiome in the same way they're going to help benefit gut microbiome as well so um obviously get past smears and things like that too regularly um but it, if it's connected with a yellowish greenish discharge or a smell even um, it may not be that you have sdi or anything like that but it can also be that there is some kind of candida or um, fungal or other imbalance in your um, vaginal microbiome or your estrobolum, which is causing both the smell and the discharge. Mm -hmm. Okay. So more acidic luteal phase, more base, would you say more basic follicular phase? Yeah, more base and more cream. <laughs> um, so, but it's also, I, I think women, and I don't know if anyone can attest to this, but even pre-menses when we are quite acidic and we can smell blood, you, you can actually smell that too in the few days leading up to pre-menses as well. Okay. Cool. Um, is it normal to nap every day? I want to say it depends on the job and the shift and everything you're doing. Women typically need an extra hour of sleep than men. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the biggest problems is that we expect women to fall into male kind of structure as well. So that the eight to five job or whatever else it is is that knowing we are cyclical beings but not in the same cycle as men um that will eventually catch up and i see that most in shift workers or people doing um say they go to the gym super early in the morning and then they have a normal job but then at night they're studying or they just catch up with friends like they're not getting that extra hour of sleep what they need in comparison to their partner and if they are sleeping on the same schedule as their partner or as a male then they're going to have this kind of backload of like sleep deprivation and now you can't catch up on sleep debt but you can help with more recovery mm -hmm. for some people that does look like naps um it's not something i would necessarily recommend um but it's also give your body the adequate rest it needs if that's what it needs in order to fit into your structure and your life like i know even as a coach prior and even face to face is that you know sometimes i'm like i just need to lie down for a bit because again yeah. not made for working mornings and night yeah yeah i definitely needed a nap when i was like 
at uni and I was up at 4.30 training people and then like had to go straight to lectures and then train and then back in the evening and then training like whatever other training or studying or whatever it was. But now it's like, you know, like I don't actually need a nap. I don't feel like most days, but my partner does. Mm. So it's interesting. Um, okay. How many times so we spoke about how many times a day you go to the toilet for number twos what about number ones what's normal so if somebody is frequently urinating and there's a couple of things one if you feel as though it's a small wee and it's really frequent um it can be hyperactivity in public floor but it could also be low levels of estrogen as well and i find that particularly with women who don't have they either have a bleed but they don't have ovulation um, or they have annual vitory cycles that they typically urinate a lot and more so that comes down to estrogen levels. Um, Hypertonicity pelvic floor, again, can create that kind of like frequent urination. It doesn't feel like full. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can create gut distension of just like little amounts of wee having to come every single time. Or it could be um, your body's detoxification mechanisms maybe not working their best and there's a backload liver-wise that it's having to frequently discharge urine to kind of get rid of um, anything that they're trying to move or waste from the body. Um, it really, really depends on how much water is someone is drinking too. But if you're urinating more than say every half hour, hour, like I'd say there's probably a, a problem. Um, and it can also be a problem with hydration because hydration also isn't water, it's electrolytes. So if your electrolyte balance, especially if there is something like hypothalamic amenorrhea or secondary amenorrhea or just high stress and chronic cortisol kind of exposure, you will be changing aldosterone and fluid retention hormones. And then that can help kick out more urine as well. Um, so it really depends yeah, how much water you're drinking, what the frequency is, what the amount is that urinating. You can actually do a there's several apps you can record how much urine is actually coming out i had a bucket yeah. for a little while um and also the color because if it's consistently just clear yeah then it might be more like a um a hypertonicity pelvic floor that you're kind of like there's nothing no waste to get out but the the musculature is kind of gone in that pelvic yeah. floor and then you're having to urinate more frequently and it's not allowing you to fully kind of build up the amount of urine you need before you urinate before that um urge arises yeah yeah amazing i think something else came up there that i was going to ask but now i can't remember oh okay so say there is say there's liver backload uh liver backloading is that what you called it say there's liver backload of fecal matter uh uh no sorry toxicity in the liver which is causing frequent urination would you still have clear urine or would it um, be a different um, color? Well, see, the thing is that there's a lot of fat-soluble excretion that happens in the liver too. So that doesn't necessarily affect urine. Oh, it wow. can just be, yeah, like it may, not, it may change color. It also could just be that generally feeling of sluggishness can be that, you know, your liver's under a little bit of stress. And everyone has a different amount of tolerance. Um, you know, the amount that someone can drink and be completely healthy and someone else be completely unhealthy is different. The amount of medication somebody can have and their liver be completely fine to someone else is, is going to change person to person. Um, but if it's also compounded with blood work of elevated liver markers, then I would say that, you know, the, the body is under a little bit of stress. Um, I, 
think there's a lot that we don't necessarily think about as far as detoxification of our body that it's having to consider. So this includes things like what, especially women, what they're putting on their skin, like what creams, what perfumes, what makeup, but then say any medications. And then we also compound that with caffeine and we also compound that with alcohol. There's a lot that's having to be done by this one little organ, Mm. which is so important and so metabolically active um, that it's sometimes easier to look at everything burden-wise you're putting on your body rather than being like, oh, I have to cut out this food and I have to do this detoxification of the liver. How about you look at what creams you put in on your body, what sprays, how much alcohol consumption, the amount of caffeine you're having per day address that first like low-hanging fruit and then before adding extra restriction to your diet which is you know we love a quick fix um, but often it's the things we don't think about that can be kind of loading on our liver as well yeah yeah cool um and then oh just the last one so how many what if you okay is it normal to wake up more than once a night to go to the toilet staying on the wee subject i love a wee subject Subject. Um, so, for I've had uh, a male in the past, and he'd be waking up, and you know, we had looked at his, his prostate, and it was actually enlarged, and there was calcification as well. Um, so, for men, that's definitely um, an issue. I try to get clients to limit water intake before bed. So, you know, they might have puff a cup or something with dinner, but not teas, not caffeine, things like that. In the last few hours, try to really take water away. Um, and then that kind of eliminates if it's just a water excretion kind of thing. But in the same time, also try to have dinner about two or three hours before bed. So you're not, again, waste products and everything else as well. You're not trying to excrete that um, because that's where we get colored urine and stuff as well. And also I don't feel we should be digesting or partially still digesting the meal when we're trying to get restorative sleep. So if you take those things out of the equation and you're still waking up, frequent urination at one it can be low blood sugar so it could be poor blood sugar management and that might be in the later stages of dieting or low levels of body fat to men it can also be prostate health um or it can just be cortisol um it can be a lot of people wake up at 3 a.m which is normally our coldest time and it might be that they're waking up stressed and you know that's a stimulation on uh glucocorticoids which are basically our stress hormones and everything like that we're produced on top of our kidneys so if there's a lot of stress and tax on there, then that stimulates our kidneys to want to excrete more urine as well. Okay. How's that? That's about oh. 25 minutes of questions, like rapid I love fire. It. Like, oh, is no, this okay. normal? Did you have anything yeah, we else? To... Sorry. Well, look, there's a lot. <laughs> um, we did kind of jump between them, but I even things like you were thinking about, you know, pain during sex and everything else as well. Like that's definitely not normal. Lack of libido is not normal. Extreme vaginal dryness is not normal. Inability, provided you're working with the right partner, inability to actually orgasm is not normal. Um, I say not normal. It's a harder thing to achieve, but I wouldn't normalize it as being like, oh, I just have low libido or it doesn't really matter. I'm not really prioritizing it. Mm -hmm. Um, The swinging you mentioned before between constipation and diarrhea, I wouldn't consider normal. But I think there's a whole other part that we can probably do in another one around digestion. So yeah. poo, poo and urine is kind of the after effect, but you know, yeah. there's so many different things around people's gut and their bloating and the symptoms they have after eating certain foods um, that probably needs yeah, another particular live on and even around mood and um, energy and libido and everything else as well. Yeah. 
All right, let's leave that till next time so we're not overloading people with too many things. Like if you're like, oh, my God, I have this and this and this and this and this, I've got to sort it all out. <laughs> we'll leave that till next time. So keep a lookout for two weeks' time. Amy and I will do another live. We'll do another what's not normal myth busting around digestion, mood. Um, what else did we say? Energy. Beta. Oh, we said digestion. Yeah, libido. Awesome. Yeah. I'm in like binge ovulation. Yeah. And I just realized as well as we were starting that, that I didn't even introduce you, but I feel like I don't (laughs) even need to introduce you on the AWPT page anymore because you're just like a resident here. So (laughs) if anyone hasn't seen Amy's face before, she is the head of nutrition at AWPT University. She's, I say this every time, she's the smartest person I know when it comes to nutrition and female-specific nutrition especially. Um, So we have the female-specific nutrition course coming up again in September. The date is yet to be confirmed, but it is on pre-sale now. So the pre-sale is at an insane price. It's probably less than 50% of what it's going to be full price. So if you are interested in learning more about female-specific nutrition, something that is so needed in the industry right now, because there are a lot of things that we just think oh, you know, we're the same and, you know, we can eat the same things and all that kind of stuff. And But there are specific micronutrients. There are specific things that, you know, women experience health conditions-wise that are just, that men won't just experience because they don't have a menstrual cycle. They don't have the same hormones as us. So it is really important that we touch on these subjects. It is an emerging topic. If you'd like to learn more, the female-specific nutrition course is jam packed full of information so that'll be running in september we probably should have stated that all these questions i'm saying aren't normal we cover in the course of like how to rectify these things like it's not just like you're abnormal we're just going to leave you in that Um, yeah we're not just going to say you're not normal and like not give you like the steps to help um but you there's definitely things that um you know you can take away and you know speak to your doctor speak to your coach speak to you yeah speak to your coach if you have a coach uh speak to amy like go and go and check her out she works with general pop as well so you know she works with coaches in mentoring so you know she is an encyclopedia of knowledge don't dm her because she like dm her but like don't dm her questions about stuff because you know she's not (laughs) she's a busy gal um but yeah that link can be found in the awpt university bio it is on pre-sale we don't know how long it's going to be there for but at the price it's at right now probably not long so yeah thank you so much amy for doing this live and busting some myths for us we'll see you guys again in a few weeks time so see you listening to the AWPT podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and fellow coaches and subscribe for weekly episodes and content.